Good morning. You are listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine, and this is Get the Funk Out. Standing by to kick off the show is Sarah Gottfried. She's author of Full, a memoir of overcoming an eating disorder. She's joining us right now. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. Thank you so much for reaching out to me on my uh, show blog and getting in touch. And I was so moved by, you know, your personal struggles, you know, with an eating disorder. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. My pleasure. Um, Before we jump into your story, I just want to tell you one of the reasons it resonated with me is because when I was younger, the focus was so much on, you know, weight and the size Mm -hmm. of my thighs and you know, mm-hmm. running and diet pills. And I mean, it was crazy. It was, it was exhausting. Yep, exactly. And I feel like some of those things haven't changed even till to this day. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about, you know, what happened to you? I, was it in adolescence this happened? Yep. I was in high school. It started at the very end of my sophomore year Okay, of high school. And it had started off with just, like, a simple, like, I just wanted to lose a few pounds, which I think is a common mentality among women. Sure. And I um, had started using a app on my phone that would sort of, like, track how many calories and how much I was working out and things like that. And so that sort of, um, everything sort of quickly spiraled yes. into... Um, just lots of different challenges with eating and body image, and I was um, over-exercising and not eating enough, and, you know, it seemed like the weight was coming off so fast, and it was like, okay, then what's another few pounds here or there? Sure. And it just kept going and going and going um, until it was just really taking over my entire life, my entire world. Yeah, because you start managing and honing in on every little thing and controlling and controlling, and you think that this specific number is your weight goal, and then it goes down. Exactly, exactly, yep. And, yeah, it was just, everything felt, it was just a mess. It was just really messy. Now, were you hiding it at first, like from friends, wearing oversized clothes? Like, what was going on? So, I had... Um, it was, so it had sort of started at the end of my sophomore year and then carried into the summer. Um, and so I was able to sort of manage it in some like maladaptive ways, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. um, maybe I would come up with an excuse as to why I couldn't go out with a friend or maybe come up with an excuse as to why I couldn't eat something. Um, and then in the beginning of my junior year, when it started to get a lot worse pretty quickly, I had really, um, just sort of removed myself from any social situation and it had quickly sort of started to lose friends because I wasn't engaging in in normal activities that my friends were doing and things like that. Um, My parents, like my mom could tell pretty early on that um, I was losing a lot of weight very fast. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say though my friends never um, came out and said anything if they did notice. Really? In those beginning sort of months. Yeah, and I think that was always something that was so interesting to me. Um, but then I always was trying to think, like, would I, how would you say something? Or what would you say if I was in their shoes? So I think it, it was just interesting. Um, I was really good, I think, at just, like, keeping it hush-hush for those so beginning the, few months. Your friends weren't 
saying anything about you not eating or not coming to parties or anything like that? No, I think if anything, instead of them sort of saying like everything okay, it was just like, okay. And then it was like, you know, not verbally saying this, but like, I'm not, then I'm not going to continue to invite you to do things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had lost friends pretty quickly um, because I wasn't hanging out with them and I was coming up with different excuses and things like that. Um, Yeah. So then how long was this struggle? So it started... My end of the soft, end of sophomore year, and it really continued on for the next like three to four years. Wow. And then, in I had thought like if I had moved away to college yes. for undergrad, um, I had planned to go to school out in California and Los Angeles. I had got in in. I thought I could just like kind of like quote unquote fly away from this, and it would just be gone, and I'd be cured, and I'd be fine. And so, actually, the the day I the day after I moved in to college, I moved out, um, and I essentially had just like a breakdown. I felt like my whole world had come crashing down because when I got out there, if anything, I was even more anxious, and mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't, I'm not going to be able to do this. How am I going to be able to do this? Sure. My parents, you know, were leaving to come back to New England, and it was just, I felt so alone and. I had yeah. felt like I really had hit my rock bottom. And I'm pretty honest with people when I like use this very cliche quote of like, until you admit that you have a problem, it's not going to get better. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it was until then that I was like, this is, this could be my life for the rest of my life. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just going to continue to lose things. I, there were so many things I wanted to do and goals and career things. And so I just was like, I can't do this. So I had moved home. Well, thank, excuse me, the, thank goodness, Sarah, that you admitted yeah. you couldn't, you know, I mean, were, were your parents saying anything to you, like, take care of yourself, you know, they must have been concerned. Yes, so they were, they were, yeah, and I think it's, I'm pretty honest when I share with people, our, my relationship with my parents was very up and down, mm-hmm. because we just couldn't manage it. Like they wanted, you know, I couldn't relinquish any control. They were so afraid of losing me yes. because I had felt, you know, there was a lot of blame going on amongst the three of us. And so they had really, they, they felt that if they didn't let me go to California and experience that, that they were going to ultimately lose me. And that, you know, I had made a lot of threats along the lines of like, if you don't let me do this, I'm not going to speak to you again Mm -hmm. and things like that. Because I firmly believe that moving out there was going to be like the magic fix. And so when I came home, you know, my parents were were upset, of course, but they were really like, you have to decide like what you want to do, Sarah. Do you want to get better or do you want to, you know, live at home for the rest of your life, you know, dealing Mm -hmm. with this. And, um, so I had taken that semester off to really think things through and Good. to kind of to get control of my life back, um, physically at least. And so, um, you know, slowly but surely I had gotten to, into a space where I was, you know, beginning to like eat more and, you know, refuel my body and things like that. And I think over the last few years, it's where I've been able to do a lot of that mental and emotional work. That's of an great. eating disorder. Sure. Uh, I think it's one thing like physically to get better, but the mental and emotional piece is such a, another component of it that Definitely. in some ways feels a lot harder. Yes. Um, 
because that's all of your thoughts and your beliefs and all those things. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it's a, it's a lifelong journey, I guess. Definitely. If you're just tuning in, I'm speaking with Sarah Gottfried, author of Full, A Memoir of Overcoming an Eating Disorder. Did you uh, seek therapy at this point after yes. you moved back home? And how was that? Yep. So I, in high school, had been seeing a therapist. And so when I came back home, I continued to see her again. And it's, it's funny because I'm a social worker now. So I do some private practice on this side. And I'm a huge component of therapy at this point in my life. But yeah, if you would ask me, like, back in high school, I would have been like, hell no, like, absolutely not. And I think that just comes with the mentality, too, of being in high school and not wanting, you know, say like you see a therapist or things like that oh of course um, I mean, we've come a long way right now it, it, yes for sure yes and so I had gone back to see my therapist that I was working with and I worked with her again for probably like the next maybe six to eight months and then I had felt like I wasn't in a place where I wanted to deal with any of the like the mental or emotional component of my disorder I was really focused on like getting better physically and I just was sort of, um, I kind of describe it like I had blinders on and I was just like eating what my nutritionist was telling me to and things like that. And then I would say about maybe right when I graduated from undergrad is when I really started to um, go back to therapy and kind of dig through some of, you know, my past and things of like what perpetuated this eating disorder, what you know, what was going on in my childhood, not, you know, not only just with my family, but with myself. Um, and so it was, you know, an up and down journey with therapy. But I think I'm in a place now where it feels more natural. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, I probably asked you this, but was there an event that triggered this um, lack of eating, this, you know, yeah, this behavior? So I, yeah, so it, and when I go back and think about it, um, it definitely, I had lots of thoughts about my body and eating and food and that relationship um, from when I was young. Like, I can remember back in elementary school in, like, first or second grade. Mm-hmm. And I think it had a lot to do with my family and maybe my mom's own relationship with food and body image and her family's relationship with food and body image. And that just kind of got passed down. Sure. Because my dad, ha- like, did and does still have such a, what I call a neutral relationship with food. Um, which, and Which is what? Well, how would you describe neutral? I would, yeah, so I would describe it as he really just, like, eats whatever he wants when he wants it. And there's absolutely no shame or guilt about it. That sounds healthy. E- exactly, yep. yeah. And... And so it's so interesting because I had so like two very different sort of like perspectives growing up. I had you know my dad, and then I had sort of my mom who who yo yo dieted mm-hmm. and things like that. And I don't think she thought that I picked up on those cues and things like that, but I ultimately did, sure. and I internalized them. And it wasn't until I was in high school that I was like, oh, I like could actually do something about it. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was like, okay, I could you know use it diet app I could go to the gym a lot more I had a car I could drive wherever like I could go to the gym anytime I wanted to for however long I wanted to right um and I think it was easy for me to be alone 
because I didn't, I have no siblings. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't, when my mom and dad were working, it was just me. So I could really, you know, if I chose not to eat, I didn't have to eat. And you could lie about it. You could totally lie about it. You had your own life and no one was checking in. Exactly. It's not a knock to your parents, but at a certain age you think, oh, they're fine. They can, you know, handle their eating and their schedules. But really you, you have a, really a, um, a life that nobody knows about. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Amazing. So tell me about your book. So my book has been like, it was probably about three or four years in the making. And I remember sitting down one day and thinking this would be really cool to like write a book. I had read a lot of memoirs about eating disorders and self-help books when I was really sick. And I just felt like I couldn't, it, I couldn't connect. It made it seem so easy. Um, like you would literally go from one end of the spectrum to n- of not eating to like this other end of the spectrum to where you're eating whatever you want. And I just felt like it made it look so easy. And so I had found um, an editor through actually a Facebook group. And she had sort of helped me organize all my thoughts. And I just, you know, she, I just write every month. And then life happens and um, I went to grad school and then COVID happened. So there were definitely um, some stops and pauses along the way. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't really until this past year, I actually was um, on a date with my my current boyfriend. um, And we were on, it was like our second date, I think. And he's like, what is like one of your life goals? Like if you could do anything, what would you want to do? And I remember saying, you know, I'd really love to write a book. And he was like, you know, I hadn't really told him a lot about my, like, life history and things. It was only date number two. And so he was like, that's amazing. He's like, what would you want to write about? And so then, you know, I was like, okay, I think this is like a safe space. So I shared with him and Mm -hmm. his face sort of just said it all. It was just like, Sarah, that is so amazing. And you should share your story, Um, not just for others, but for yourself. And it's such an amazing accomplishment and it's something worth sharing and inspiring people with. And so that was ultimately that like sort of push that I needed because at that time I didn't know him that well. And so it was like, okay, it's sort of like this quote unquote stranger telling me I should really go after my dream and do it. And that's what I needed. And so that's when I really started thinking around about like different publishing avenues and things like that. Um, and that was ultimately the push that um, huge accomplishment. Sort of publish my yeah. memoir. Yeah, sure. And I feel that social media perpetuates, uh, you know, body image. And yep, can you talk about that? Yeah. So I think that social media is so hard. I've done. I've had many different assignments over the year from my therapist around cleaning out social media and things like that um, because we're on it so much mm-hmm. and that's just that's what we're bombarded with and the images we see um, become our reality even though I think deep down we all know that there is a lot of editing and whatever is going on behind the scenes but that's really hard to um, you know take into account when you're just scrolling through right um, so I think social media, you know, it can have a lot of benefits and then can have a lot of, you know, cons as well. I have a social media page, so I try really hard to be cognizant and mindful of what I post. 
but then in the same time to be really like real about what I'm posting as well. Sure. Um, I think for example, I, um, I'm, you know, my page. So I think I have a lot of people that probably follow me and that I follow as well, who may have struggled with body image and eating disorders. And I was, I'm very into spin right now. I love, Oh, I love spin. spin. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and it's, so it's just great. It makes me feel good sort of like mentally. Um, and so I ha- was hesitant the other day to post something and I ended up not um, just about a spin class that I had done that I really liked. I really liked the instructor and whatever. And I think it was, it was so hard because I wanted to be mindful of my audience, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I'm in a place where I have a really good relationship with exercise and going to the gym. Yes. Um, but I think that's why it's so hard with social media because there have been many times where I've unfollowed people because they are posting so much about, you know, exercise and things like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they may have a very relationship with food and exercise and so that works for them so again I think it's so hard to know um you want to it's a balance people yeah exactly 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 I've done spin and you know they put up where you are in the rankings in the in the class yes and you know what I've I've gotten over the fact that I might be dead last or second to last right and no one knows (laughs) And I don't no. even put much um, tension on, <laughs> so so whatever right. I, you know. And I, if that's what I feel like doing, that's what I feel like doing. And I just I don't care if I'm dead last or second to last. It doesn't matter. I'm mm-hmm. there. I'm moving. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Exactly. I think for so long, two doctors had deemed for me had deemed exercise like this bad thing, mm-hmm. and ultimately, it is such an integral part of just our lives and society and. To just sort of say, like, you can never do exercise again is just not realistic. And so, you know, I think, you know, it's like, yeah, ex- there's some great components of exercise as long as it's in a healthy and balanced way. And you're eating because you can't, it, right. you have to have input if you're going to have output. And you know, Exactly. It, it, uh, it just doesn't work. Um, anything else you'd like for people to know about the book and also where they can find it? Um, so yeah, so you can find my book on Amazon.com mm-hmm. or you can go to my website, www.sarahlg.com. Okay. And, um, yeah, and then you can purchase my, my memoir. I always love when people write a review on Amazon or they send me an email. I just like hearing about it. Um, that sort of makes my day when I can open my inbox and see different people's stories, however it may have resonated with them, whether they've gone through it or they know someone that's gone through it. Um, you know, that just, it makes me really happy and touches my heart. I, I love the fact that you spun this into a career. I mean, you're a licensed clinical social worker in Massachusetts. You work as a social worker, a school social worker, yep. um, as an yep. education therapist. You must see you know, interact with a lot of girls, although it happens to boys too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. All the time. So I actually, I don't specialize in eating disorders in my, the outpatient practice that I work at. Um, but I would, you know, definitely say that many of my clients do struggle with it for sure. Um, and so it is, it's so common. I think it's even more common knowing, like I'm more cognizant of it now that I've been through it. So it just feels like so many people have some, sort of disordered relationship with food. What advice would you give someone who is struggling right now? It could even be an adult because I've heard of adults uh, getting anorexia yeah. in life. 
Yeah. I think the biggest piece of advice um, would be that, you know, you, you can get through it and you will get through it when it's right for you. For so long, people sort of pushed me and tried to take control from me mm-hmm. to make me better. But it was ultimately wasn't going to happen until I was ready to get better. And so I think, you know, my biggest piece of advice for people is that when they are ready to take control back, they can and they will do it. Definitely. And um, your website, again, is uh, sarahellengy.com. Yep. You're on Instagram. Exactly. Sarah yep. underscore LNG. And your website is yep. sarahellengy.com. Exactly. Yep. Thank you so much. By the way, where in Massachusetts are you? I am right outside of Boston. Okay. I live right in outside Brooklyn. of Boston. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We have the marathon today. So there's lots of hype and things going on in Boston. So it's kind of a fun place to be today. That's exciting. Uh, where are you going to yeah. watch it from? Um, I might go down to into Boston on like Calm Ave and try and see it. Yeah. Um, where I live right here outside of Boston. Um, it's, there are some of the streets are actually closed. So I could just kind of walk out my front door. And I know. Watch it too, so we'll see. I lived on Beacon Street. We used to just walk right outside and check it out yeah. right there. I lived at 1492 Beacon. Oh, my. I know exactly where that is. You yep. I know. That I big brick it. building right near Coolidge Corner. Yep. Love this area. It's one of my favorite areas. It's amazing. Well, I want to thank mm-hmm. you so much. I hope you'll stay in touch if you write another book. If you'd like to come back on, I'd love to have you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Stay well. That was Sarah Gottfried calling in to talk about her book, Full, a memoir of overcoming an eating disorder. If you missed any part of this, this will be up as a podcast. And you can also read more about her on the show blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org.